Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for chatting. You are very welcome, Sherry. We love hearing about people's journeys from all walks of life, from all across the globe. Where exactly did you grow up yourself? Uh, I grew up in Southern California here in the States and um, uh, was born and raised there with my, my folks and um, my sister still live, live out that way, though I moved to Tennessee back in 94. 1994, okay, in Tennessee, and uh, you've been a prolific songwriter over the years, uh, um, writing so many great songs. I know you've got a a new single, There Will Be One Day, which uh, has been uh, starting to get played on Christian radio in Australia, which is fantastic. We'll talk about that soon, but tell us about how your career started. What was was your earlier earlier songwriting like and the the first uh, big hits that first came out, and how did they come, come about? Yes, I really got my start, so to speak, uh, as a worship leader at, at my home church back in Southern California, and there is where I wrote my first songs, my first expressions of love to the Lord, many of the songs we would sing as a church family, and, and then, um, as you said, I uh, released that first album back in 94, Child of the Father, and uh, <clears throat> and then several subsequent albums through the years since then. And, I just uh, I love to uh, kind of I think such a part of my faith journey has been working out my faith in my songs, you know, and the the lyrics are oftentimes things that I am saying to the Lord and and truths that I know that I need to speak to my soul in in those lyrics. So. Mm. Now, you do have a very famous surname. Uh, I think a lot of people would have heard of Phil Keege, uh, one of the world's best guitarists. Uh, tell us about your connection uh, with Phil Keege. Yes. Um, I was married to Phil Keege's nephew. Um, so Phil Keege is really um, my married name, I guess you mm-hmm. might say. Um, but anyway, but Phil, has, Phil and his wife, Bernadette, have uh, been a big encouragement to me through the years. And I know that um, uh, you did a song with him, a beautiful acoustic piece uh, called uh, The Benediction Song based on Romans fifteen thirteen. What was it like working with him? He's a pretty cool muso, hey? Oh, yes. Yeah, such a blessing. It was just the perfect ending to this um, project to have, have him uh, take us out with just some really beautiful, reflective acoustic music to just linger in the presence of the Lord for a little while longer. But he was... Um, significant in this project to me in that he he was the one that recorded the original piano vocal demos when I when I had just written these songs and uh, he wanted to just help me navigate, you know, how to go about releasing another project and wanted to help me in any way that he could. And so it was um, really ministered to me to see how the songs were impacting him. 
Um, and then I later connected with uh, Scott Dente and Ken Lewis, who produced the album. And um, so I've had some really good people around me, which means so much. Now, for those who haven't heard of Phil Keegan, and you must be living under a rock if you haven't, but uh, he's he's actually missing um, some fingers on one of his hands. What, what's what's the uh, what's the story with his uh, his guitar playing? How does he play like that? Yes, yes. Um, well, I know there's all kinds of rumors, but from what I understand, um, he is um, missing uh, his middle finger. Um, on his picking hand mm-hmm. from an accident on a, uh, he grew up on a farm in Hubbard, Ohio. And so it was an accident with a water pump when he was, I think, four years old. And uh, he refers to it in a song, actually, about the water pump that took a part of me, you know? <laughs> and, um, but I've heard all kinds of crazy tales. Um, anyway, but he, you know, so it's all the more extraordinary that he can play like he does with that missing finger. We, we just mentioned before about um, uh, your relationship to Phil Kagi and uh, the divorce and, and everything. Uh, it's one of the topics you speak about uh, when you travel. Uh, one of the themes that you, you share about is overcoming the pain of divorce. And, you know, with the statistics around the world these days of divorce, uh, it's important that we as Christians do address these topics and talk about in, in, in a realistic way. you just want to share a little bit of your story with our listeners? Sure. I mean, um, God, that's one thing I discovered through it all, is that God is bigger than anything we will face here on this earth. You know, bigger than, we know, um, just coming out of Easter, we know that he's bigger than death, that he conquered even the grave. And I discovered that he's bigger than even the death of a marriage, and um, he has truly been Jehovah Rapha to me, the Lord who heals. But specifically, there was one, um, a service, that I attended my home church here in Nashville that was a pivotal, sort of a turning point for me. I was just, uh, this was back in 2010, and I was just so overwhelmed and afraid, uh, you know, what my future would be, and um, so broken in my circumstance. But I went to church, and um, not knowing was God going to heal my marriage, not knowing was I going to be single the rest of my life, not even knowing where I was going to live because our house was on the market and so many unknowns. But the pastor preached a sermon on the three things we need to survive. It was one, air, two, um, sustenance. He talked about, you know, we need food and water. And three was God's presence. And it was the simplest sermon, but to me it was like a healing balm because I knew that um, with all the uncertainties in my world at that time, I knew that I had those three things and that I had everything I needed in Christ that I was going to be okay. Um, so that was a place where God brought me from fear back to faith. And I later wrote a song about it actually on the new album called Air, Food, and Water. And how long ago was that, Sherry? Yeah, that was in 2010, sort of what I refer to as my epic year, because uh-huh. it was uh, just a whole lot of loss and change yeah. in, my, in my world. But, um, but I'm, in a, I'm in a good season now, and I, I'm so grateful because God is bringing um, purpose to a lot of the pain. We know that He doesn't waste our sorrows. If we press into Him in our pain, we discover um, that He meets us and He comforts us and He heals us. And that's what has happened in my own life. And, and now I'm able to encourage others who are going through whatever their hard thing is, whatever their epic thing is, 
and point them to the hope we have in Christ. And thank you for being so open about that. So many people uh, in today's society need uh, to hear from people like yourself of the the hope that is there in Christ. And obviously your life story in that season has greatly impacted the words, the lyrics, the rhythms, the, the whole context and content of uh, your more recent songs. Yes, for sure. I, you know, went through a long season of drought as far as in the songwriting realm. I was still going out and ministering, but I, I hadn't been writing a lot of new material because I was kind of in a survival mode of sorts. But um, then I kind of got through all of that crisis time, and I went to a, a women's equipping conference, and I felt the Lord saying, Sherry, it's time to write again. And so... Um, the songs on this new project are the songs that came, the fruit that kind of came out of all that suffering, um, and they just they came out very naturally, and uh, and it was again God healing my heart as I'm pouring out these lyrics. Um, I remember even just one um, a song I wrote on the one year anniversary of the divorce. That was very healing for me because it was God redeeming a day that that wasn't a happy day. You know, it was a a very reflective, um, pensive day. But I wrote this song. It's called Starting a New Year Today and In the Bridge. uh, I love the lyric. It says, he said, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Making a way in the desert, filling up wasteland with streams. Yours is a story of winter. But, my child, you have believed Mm. that I am the author of your life, and now I am writing your spring. Tell us about the the newest song, There Will Be One Day. Yes. um, You know, in 2010, along with the loss of a a marriage that I had held dear for so long, a marriage that was very, very important to me, I also lost um, both my grandparents, Mm. my grandmother, passed away just 10 days before my son's wedding, and then my grandfather passed away two months after that. And I've been in, you know, Bible studies with lots of women who have experienced all kinds of loss. You know, a friend of mine's son just committed suicide. There's just so many, you just, you know, hear people's stories, and there's so many people that are grieving. And and um, life here on earth is so hard sometimes, but, but the hope of the believer is that there will be one day, and that uh, in chapter 21 of Revelation, you know, we're, we're told that um, there, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and um, and then, uh, you know, it's the, the Lord saying, "Behold, I am making all things new." So, uh, um, so it's such an encouraging song. Um, you know, it helps us. It it may not. Um, change our circumstances of suffering and loss here on earth, Um, but when we are able to look heavenward and we're able to cling to that promise, um, it gives us a hope, you know, that 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 God will God will get us through to a better place. And I just um, have been so impressed to see that you're not only just a singer-songwriter and a worship leader and, you know, a great talent with all that other stuff you do, but you're also a speaker. You like to bring uh, messages uh, in, in, your, in your concerts and, your, and you do conferences and things like that. One of the other topics that you tackle is uh, one that's uh, been uh, very important in my life recently. I've uh, been speaking to a number of people about this one, learning how to forgive 
Uh, you know, they say one of the largest blockages uh, to healing in a person's life is is uh, bitterness and unforgiveness. Um, what, what's the message uh-huh. you bring when, when you bring a message of learning how to forgive? Well, that is um, so true what you're talking about. I love what C.S. Lewis said on that. He said, he said, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, boy, the Lord just really taught me in that in um, some years where I was struggling with bitterness and resentment and all of that. And um, a, a tool that God used so much in my life was a book by John Bevere called The Gate of Satan, um, where I learned that that Satan would love nothing more than to keep us as believers, to keep us stuck on our offenses. You know, so he may not be able to, you know, steal our souls as we're sealed in Christ, but he can keep us pretty darn ineffective, you know, in the kingdom when we're bound by, by those chains. And so the Lord showed me that um, unforgiveness was a, was a sin on my part, and it helped me... Um, to, to look at that. So instead of looking at someone else's sin, whoever it was that has hurt you, you can look at your own and go, okay, God, I may not be able to change that person, but I can change my response to what has happened here. And so I began to cry out and ask the Lord to show me how to forgive. I didn't feel that I had it within myself, um, but I, I did know that I was commanded to do it through the Scriptures in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, it says um, to forgive as Christ forgave you. And so I knew it was it was a requirement, um, and it was it was he it was he that empowered me to do it. And the trick for me was renewing my mind every time I was tempted to play those old tapes and sort of ruminate in those those laments and those miseries. You know, I would catch my mind, and I would then instead insert a truth in it, which is the Word of God. So I would speak God's truth out loud. And it might be something as simple as I would say out loud, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And over time, as I, as I chose that and retrained my mind, God set me free. Um, and I love what um, Corey Tenboom said. Uh, she said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. And, um, and so, so that's a lot of how I encourage um, the people that I share with, because we're all going to face hurts, um, but we can move past them, and it's the Lord that helps us to do it. Well, it's such a powerful message of forgiveness. And uh, you, you also mentioned a C.S. Lewis quote. Another one that he sh- shares about that is, uh, I can forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. Yeah. And it's uh, such an important principle in life uh, to, to try and live an unoffendable life, to, to live a life rising above any resentment or, or bitterness and uh, living a life walking in forgiveness. It's, it's at the heart of the gospel message. And uh, it's so good to uh, connect with you today, Sherry. And if people want to find out more, your website is Sherry. Kegi.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-K-E-A-G-G-Y.com. And you're also on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. People can check out all your details there. Uh, Sherry Kegi, I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us today. God bless. Oh, God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater. And why don't you go and make history? History Makers.
History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.